Hi everyone, welcome back to today's episode. I'm Lasia and I'm here today with Viji and one really special guest. We have Dr. Darsh. He goes by Dr. Darsh on Instagram, but um, Dr. Shah, he's here to talk about kind of a really interesting topic with us today. Um, he was actually part of a BSMD program that he didn't end up making it through, which as a person in a drag med program was really interesting to me, but he ended up having the best experience of his life taking two gap years. And he is now a PMNR resident and he has a lot to say, and I'm excited to hear it. So um, welcome, Dr. Shah. How are you doing today? Hello, Lassie Viji. Thank you guys so much for having me on here. Uh, I'm doing fantastic. So glad to hear that. Um, I know you're doing fantastic today, living your, you know, your best PNMR dreams, matching to your dream residency. But there was a time where you were pretty worried about your future in medicine, um, and Tell us about the time you realized that your BSMD program wasn't working out for you. Yeah, absolutely. So um, it's funny. So when I was on a previous podcast, somebody asked me, hey, what was that turning point for you when you knew you wanted to do medicine, but kind of just like in your life so far? So I'm 28, right? So I haven't lived much life, but it definitely has been a turning point. And that turning point is exactly what you said. When I found out that, hey, I wasn't going to matriculate through my seven-year BSMD program at Temple University. So, you know, growing up, always, I was always a good student, did well in high school, did well enough to get into that BSMD program. Um, the problem was when you get to college, that adjustment period, and I just really had no idea how to study, right? There was no homework for me at Temple. Um, there was no real guidance. But when you're in high school, you know, you do the homework, you see the grades, you practice, you do well in the exams, boom, it's all right in front of you. And when I got to college, taking only two to three exams in a semester, that was definitely rough for me. And I realized that kind of early on. The only problem was I didn't do anything about it. And I think that's my biggest regret going back and looking at how I could have conducted myself to a higher degree. So essentially, I found out probably my senior year because the GPA requirement was a 3.5 for your science. And I was hovering around like a 3.45, 3.46. And going into that kind of final semester, so we had to have it um, in the fall semester of our senior year, we had to have that 3.5. I just needed to get like four A's. The problem with me though, was that I just still never adjusted. For some reason, I never took the time to understand, hey, how can I do this? Everything's on the line. And I didn't shoot for the stars, essentially. And so- No, and that's completely understandable. As someone who like, just I'm a, I'm a rising sophomore I completely understand how high school is so different where they like just about spoon feed everything to you and of course you need to like be receptive in high school do all the extracurriculars um but totally get it I know Vigi totally has something to say too about this yeah no I was just gonna say like that definitely like, makes sense like going into high school again like you have those assignments you kind of have teachers you know on your back you have like buffer points but then like in some college classes, your entire grade is just like a couple of exams that you take. Like I'm in biochem right now and our grade for that course is four exams. So it's so easy to just you know, get off track. There's like no homework that you have to be doing. It's just kind of all up to you. And it's, I, it's definitely a rough transition to make. Right, right, exactly. No, yeah, but I mean, I can't imagine, you know, being in a direct med program and them being just like, okay, well, you dreamed of four years of going to this school. Sorry, we're not letting you in. You know, like, 
tell me about that. It must have been crushing. Like, what was the game plan moving forward? Yeah, so um, I've always believed in having a plan B, right? So a lot of people will say, you know, you should never have a plan B because that means you won't get your plan A. But I'm always in the mindset of I'm going to have a plan B and a plan C because I just think it's realistic. But make sure that plan B and plan C can help you get back to your plan A. So for me, it was still, okay, I'm not going to go to Temple University, or maybe I will, but I'm not going to go direct. So I still have to apply out. So that was basically my goal. So I, I had the MCAT already of a 30, which is like equivalent to a 508. So I knew I was good on that front. It was mainly my GPA. So I said, hey, why not just go ahead and apply after my junior year um, and see what happens? Unfortunately, I didn't get in. So I said, okay, this is against my plan. I was not thinking of taking a gap year. My parents didn't think I was going to take a gap year. Um, but I said, okay, I'm going to apply my senior year. So I had, I knew I was going to take a gap year and I applied. So that's when I said, okay, I need to start building my CV. Um, and I need to start looking better to schools. So I said, what are the things I can really focus on? At that, t at that point, about eight years ago, scribing was not that big of a thing. So I knew if I scribed, I would have an advantage over other applicants in terms of clinical experience. So for nine months, I did, uh, I was a pediatric ER scribe at CHOP. Did that for nine months, learned a lot about just medicine, interacting with the staff, like techs, nurses, all that good stuff. But then you come to a point where you kind of maxed out your learning. And this is where I slowly started to realize about growth mindset and really kind of pushing yourself and, and, and diversifying your experiences and really just figuring out what you're kind of passionate about. So then after CHOP, I did, a, I was a biology lab technician at a company called Wuxi, which is a pharmaceutical outsourcing company. So I did that stint for nine months. But what that taught me was, hey, this is a paid employment. This is my first time having like a real job, working with real people um, in the setting of, hey, you have to know what to talk about. You have to know how to get along with people. You have to understand the etiquette of work, things like that. Um, so that kind of, that experience really just taught me how to be more professional in a, in a professional setting. And then during my second application, I actually got waitlisted by VCOM. So the crazy story there was their secondary went to my junk. I didn't realize it. I finally emailed them like five months later saying, hey, this was in my junk email. They responded back in December and said, We're, we'll, we'll grant you an interview. So I got an interview about like two months later. They waitlisted me. The great no thing way it went to junk. Yeah, yeah. So that's that like my so biggest scary. thing. Oh my God, for me to think about that going to junk, that just like made my heart <laughs> beat for you. I'm so glad they gave you the interview though. Continue, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, that's fine. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, that's like the biggest thing I tell people who apply is check your junk regularly. Because if I check my junk earlier, I'd probably save one gap year. But again, we're going to get to that story about how I'm glad I had two gap years. Um, so I got waitlisted by VCOM. The good thing about VCOM is you get waitlisted the next year, you're pretty much accepted. You don't have to go through the interview process again. So essentially, that is what happened to me. I was in my second gap year. I was a little less stressed. I could finally focus on the things that I wanted to focus on. And that was actually just getting more research under my belt. And during this time, I was thinking, hey, if I don't get into BCom, if I don't get into med school, my MCAT expires in three years, what do I do? Do I take the MCAT again? Or do I pursue something else that I'm passionate about? And at that time, I was actually thinking, doing a master's in exercise physiology. So that was kind of my backup, backup, backup plan if you know, nothing really worked out. Damn, um, you, really, you really were a planner, go you. Yeah, yeah, no, so I'm all about kind of figuring out your routine, your daily routine, your nightly routine, your one week, one month, kind of where you want to go. Um, and understanding that, hey, along the way, things are going to happen, and you might not reach that destination, 
but it's the journey that matters. So as long as you have a plan and you enjoy the journey, I think that's the biggest thing that matters. And that's essentially what happened during my gap years. I was not, you know, in, as a senior in high school, I was expecting to go to Temple Med. I would be a probably like a third year resident or fourth year resident right now, possibly even attending. But now I'm an intern, right? But that journey, I would never trade for. Um, and I think that's like the biggest thing I learned in my gap years is just un understanding the journey, accepting it, and then having fun with it. No, absolutely. And I mean, the idea, I'm a true firm believer on everything happens for a reason. And I think that's incredible that you have that mindset and going forward, I'm sure there's going to be so many more obstacles that pop up here and there, but you're kind of equipped with the tools to, you know, reach them. And I know, um, Vigi is also a huge believer on everything happens for a reason. So I think you kind yeah. of have that mindset when you're going into med school. Yeah, right. no, no, for sure. Exactly. Exactly. You guys nailed it. And you know, the funny thing too, I always say is if I went to Temple, I wouldn't be an osteopathic physician. And OMM is so crucial to me and so crucial to honestly my family because every time I go back home, I'm cracking their backs. Um, <laughs> so I'm pretty sure they're glad that, hey, I went to a DO school. But you know, going into PM&R, um, it's just another toolkit. You know, it's another tool you can use. Um, it really helps patients out. And in a field like PM&R, I mean, when you're dealing with the MSK and neuro kind of uh, presentations, um, it's, it's really helpful to have OMM on your belt, especially with that kind of holistic mindset. So, yeah, no, I totally agree. Like, um, we were talking about before, like PM&R is one of the specialties, like I was really looking into, and I love how, you know, you can incorporate those osteopathic principles, you know, into that field. So it really just, you know, makes you an even better physician. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And um, I just had a quick like question kind of about like logistics here. So um, how many med school apps did you kind of like cycles did you have to go through with like the yeah. two gap years? Yes, yeah, so I went through three app cycles and two gap years. Okay, so you applied after you're a junior year and then senior and then that's when you started taking like you had your two years of gap years and then during one of them you applied. Yes. Okay, exactly. that makes sense. Yeah, it's kind of like you have to watch out yeah. for all of these different like timestamps. Like if you don't want to take a gap year, you have to be applying like right after your junior year. And I feel like some people kind of get that mixed up. Exactly. And like, and that's the biggest thing I think is when, when you talk to a lot of physicians, you know, this, especially the people I like collaborate with on Instagram too, I've, I've always asked the question like, hey, if you could go back, would you take a gap year or not? Many people actually say yes, because I just think you kind of need that mature mindset um, going into med school. Because I feel like the biggest issue that, you know, younger kind of medical students run into is treating medical school like school. And at that point, once you're in med school, it's not really school anymore. It's actually your career. It's actually your life. And so if you can treat it that way from an early, you know, from day one and not get hung up on getting a 4-0 in med school or passing your boards with flying colors, you'll start to enjoy that process more. And you'll actually really enjoy, you know, med school, which is not what you know it's not what many people say so no that's really interesting that you bring up it's like you need to be mature and look at it not like it's cool because for me like the reality that one day I'm not going to be like oh I'm pre-med and today I have to go to my pre-soma meeting so I can check these boxes like no one day I'm going to be doing the thing I love and it's going to be my, like it's going to be your life and I think like the stages of you know going from high school being pre-med then finally being in your career, like that's so, and it's like the cycle of being a doctor is so cool. And I know you have stuff to say about, you know, 
tips for our listeners about how to address each of those segments within med school? Yeah, for sure. So I think if, you know, somebody who's pre-med, not in a direct, you know, BSMD or BSDO program, biggest advice I'd give them, honestly, is to stay on your own path and just realize that everyone has their own circumstances. If that means you need to take four or five gap years because you have a family to take care of or some other, you know, situation, then go do that. There is no right timeline. And I think if you talk to anyone who became a physician and attending at the age of like 35, they'll tell you the same thing. They still have 30 plus years to practice medicine. So my biggest advice for pre-meds is stay on your own path and just realize that you have your own strengths and that you have your own weaknesses. So double down on those strengths and work on those weaknesses and you know, create a better you rather than creating a better version that somebody else would like to see. Um, That's like a really good point. Just like everyone has their own path medicine and just because it doesn't you know, look like someone else's or, you know, is not as typical, does not make it any less worthy. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. um, As a woman in STEM or medicine in general, I think the scariest part for a lot of females, especially is the idea that we're going to have to start cranking out kids at some point. And it's like (laughs) scary to me to think that, oh my God, like if I take even a year off, like that puts off getting married by your, having kids for a year, doing this for a year, that for a year. It's like, it's so much uncertainty. And I'm so, I mean, talking to you, really having this conversation kind of eased my mind that whatever happens, happens. And at the end of the day, I'm going to look back and be happy on what happened. And um, thank you so much, you know, for your time and all those different types of things and giving us all these tips. If you had one tip to give to a pre-med, or someone in med school, I think you gave a big tip, but what is your send-all, be-all um, message to our listeners? Man, that's a, that's a, that's a tough one, because you know, I can talk <laughs> anyone's head off. Um, it would essentially be to try to become 1% better every day. Um, you know, okay. there's, yeah, so I just think like, you know, we, we're so focused in medical school and as pre-meds and the type of people we are, right? Kind of like type A, always looking to compare, always looking to be better. You can only do that at a slower pace before you burn out. But if you, if you grow 1% every day, you compound that over a full year, you're 37 times better than that person you were today. And 37 times is a lot. So that's my motto, even as in, in my intern year, where you know I'm an intern, I don't really know medicine, I don't know how to treat patients to, the, to my fullest capability, but I do understand that, hey, if I become 1% better and I focus on that and I don't grieve in my failures, I'm going to become a better physician, a better human being. No, I love that. That saying that like become 1% better every year or, or every day. And in a year you'll become 37 times better. I know Vigi is like huge on motivational Monday. She runs our motivational Mondays. on <laughs> Vigi, like, I think that needs to be our next motivational Monday. Yeah. We'll, we'll definitely credit you with that, but I like that a lot. I think that goes with your, um, growth mindset of always you know improving yourself and if something doesn't work out the way that you expected it to like continuing to you know move on and you know improve yourself and you know get to where you want to be eventually yep that's i mean that's the journey of life right it's all about just striving to become better versions of ourselves yeah and i like that you mentioned like even with the attendings who are you know 35 they're like oh you have 30 more years to practice this. I feel like people, you know, forget that. Like, we're kind of always wanting to rush into our careers, but we're going to do this until we're 65. And now some people are retiring even later. Like, you have so much time to, you know, do this career. So I feel like 
it's good that you mentioned like we don't necessarily have to rush into it oh yeah i mean doctors honestly don't retire probably to like 70 75 because they just love what they do like right you're just impacting on a daily basis you, you never really get sick of it um so you definitely do have a lot of work life ahead of you and actually i just made a tiktok video on that about you know there's there's no quick fix there's no quick fix in terms of becoming a doctor and you kind of just got to do what it takes enjoy the grind and you know not worry too much about your years ahead you know as you say like i need to crank out kids or i need to get married by this age or i want a puppy or, you know like all the <laughs> all the life things that sure matter to us but they will happen as they happen you know and it, it's it's kind of a take it a year by year day by day kind of approach yeah, yeah, wait. Also, now that you mentioned, what's your TikTok? We'll have to mention that to our listeners. For so you. It's, the, it's the same thing as my Instagram. It's dr.darsh. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, well, that's a promo there. Um, thank you so much, Dr. Uh, Dr. Shah, for your time today. It was so fun talking to you. Um, it kind of it kind of put me at ease, you know. I'm like grinding out bio homework every day, kind of worried about my future. So this definitely did um, ease me. And, you know, check out his Instagram. Check out his TikTok. And with that being said, we'll see you guys next Friday with a new episode. Bye.